Vernomatic Productions. Are you ready? Live from the Metal Mayhem Studios in Rochester, New York. We are gold. And heard around the world by metalheads just like you. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Heavy metal music. Your weekly dose of metal music. Interviews, album reviews, news, and more. Want to be part of the show? Send us a message through our website, MetalMayhemROC.com. Or hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Search Metal Mayhem ROC. It's getting nice and heavy. And now, welcome tonight's host, John the Vernomatic Verno. Good evening, everybody. Thursday nights, new content drops. Middle of summer, things are heating up. It's about 6,000 degrees up here in Rochester, but we're ready for another kick-ass show. Tonight's episode, we're doing our monthly check-in. I have Metal Walt and Ian O'Rourke, my two brothers in metal. They're in the green room right now. They'll be out in a second, and we're going to talk about what's going on in the metal and hard rock landscape that is the summer of 2022. First, though, just want to remind you about visiting the MetalMayhemROC.com website. You know, check out some past shows, subscribe, leave a review. Uh, recent uh, shows we had, Walt and I had Arante interview a couple weeks ago she talked about her new live album came out metal walt had a solo event he had grand bond of rainbow that one went well and i had uh aaron thomas the young metal entrepreneur who started dark age records those are some past shows coming up in the next couple weeks we're trying to round up frank bellow and jd Frank of Anthrax, JD of Black Label. That tour is going across America, so we're going to check in with them. And Metal Mayhem ROC correspondent Southern Kale and I had an interview with Dave Overkill of Destructor. So that's some shows coming up in the future, but let's talk about tonight. From New Jersey, the metal capital of the East Coast, Metal Walt. Hey, Walt, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm down at the Jersey Shore again. It's the end of July. Enjoying the beach. And happy to be speaking to you. So what's up, Berno? Nothing, man. You know, I'm not at the beach. I'm in the studio, but I'm enjoying my summer too. So uh, I'm glad you and the family are down there. You got your toes in the sand, hopefully a drink in your hand, and having, some, go. having some fun. Let's get the other knucklehead in here from Central New York in the band Motorlord, Ian O'Rourke. Hey, Ian, what's up, man? Berno, my brother, what's going on? I'm glad to be back with you boys. It's been a minute. How's your summer going? What's going on? Things good? Working? The family? Last time we checked in, your drummer, Don, went ahead a little uh, uh, shoulder surgery. How he's do- How's he doing? Yep, he's uh, had the surgery, doing uh, walking around in a sling, hurting like a dog. <laughs> uh, hopefully he'll be... Uh, He'll be back uh, at least PT in the next couple of weeks. So, you know, four, I think they said four to six, minimum six to eight, max. But he's just dying to get back to playing, man. You know, which I don't blame him. You know, we're all just kind of in hibernation mode. Well, um, send the best to our uh, metal brother, uh, Don, from Motorlord. Yep, I will. So, Appreciate it. So, yeah. So, so tonight we're all over the place. There's, like I said in the intro, there's tons of activities going on. You know, there's the Pantera tribute. Nita Strauss leaves uh, Cooper to become a pop star. Kane Roberts is back with Coop. Iron Maiden has their own uh, train going around Sweden. You know, fans are jumping on stage at Rage Against the Machine shows. 
So we're going to cover all these topics plus some. I'm going to send it over to Metal Walt, and um, he's going to get things going with his first little bit of uh, information he wants to talk about. Walt? Let's just get right into it. And I think the cool one right now in my mind is this Iron Maiden 666 train. I mean, I'm, I'm watching these videos, and I don't know what you guys think, but it's like, oh, my God, like, Gothenburg, Sweden, the band is huge over there, right? They filled the soccer stadium, 61,000 fans. The promoters, the town are saying, you know what, Iron Maiden have been so good to us. We're going to celebrate them by putting a car up there with a banner, 666 on it. The guys flew in early. They played a soccer match with the local community. And I'm like, Ian, what do you think? Like, why doesn't that stuff happen in America? It should. They're a big band. Why doesn't that same respect happen in the States? You know, it's, they are not, um, they're not, you know, that pop fodder that, you know, is, is puffed up by the, uh, the mainstream media and outlets like that, you know, I mean, and as big as Maiden is, I mean, congrats to them for getting that kind of love. You know, Europe has always been, there's so much more broader thinking when it comes to that stuff, especially metal music. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty cool that they, have been given that kind of a nod, you know, for, for that kind of support uh, or the, the love that they have for them over there in Sweden. That's really cool. Well, the cool thing with that, it, it was a promotional tool that the, um, the, the local record division and Sanctuary Music, Smallwood and Maiden put together that there were swag bags on this train, like two, 300 swag bags for the people that were taking the train to the show. So, you know, yeah, so it just wasn't like a monorail train system with the Iron Maiden logo on it. And the other cool thing was, even after the band left town, the they left the artwork on the monorail for a few days, and it was still zipping around the Iron Maiden. First they have the aircraft, and then they got the train. You know, what's next? Uh, well, here's another thing about Maiden that comes to mind. How about... Again, big pat on the back to Smallwood. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but um, they had a little reunion of sorts a few months ago with Paul Diano, and now the news is out there that they're going to pick up all his medical bills for the guy. He's going to have knee replacement. I mean, oh, my God, talk about, like, what wonderful people they are in that camp and how they care for an ex-member who's not even around. Uh, You know what? I read that, too. I read that, too. Excuse me. And, you know, do you think somewhere down the line there was maybe, like, a little pressure and they were ahead of the curve? Like, maybe they're like, ah, before people say, why can't Maiden, all the gazillions of dollars they have, you know, throw Paul 100K to get some new knees? You think maybe um, they reversed the tables and exactly that? They did it before the outcry just to get some uh, better pub? I, I, honest to God... Thinking and well, I mean, I hope in my heart of hearts, these guys seem very philanthropic. Anyways, I mean, they're one of the biggest bands in the world. They've probably got millions upon millions of dollars, um, and I'm I'm sure that they. I don't know. It, it could have been, you know, outside pressure at first, but I think that a lot of it, you know, when you look at the exchange, or at least from what you could see, it looked like Steve was genuinely just kind of being there talking with with Deano and so food for thought oh we'll find out let's see let's go down our list um uh Pantera tribute now 
I did a uh, poll on the Metal Mayhem Facebook page, and, you know, it was a lot closer than I thought it would be. It was either, yes, it's a good thing, or no, it's a cash grab. Well, what's your take on this? One, were you the biggest uh, Pantera fan, and uh, what's your angle? Should they do it? Should they not do it? Well, I can't say I was the biggest Pantera fan. Saw them plenty, plenty of times in concert. I, I liked them. I can't say I was like a junkie over them. I'm, I'm totally supportive of this. I think it makes sense, and I'll tell you in my opinion the reasons why. Number one, as we know, the members that they selected, Zach Wilde and Charlie Benante, were close friends with, with Dime and uh, Vinnie Paul. And I think the key thing that doesn't get really picked up in the media was Rita, I think the uh, the girlfriend of Dimebag, whether it's his wife or girlfriend, holder of the state, she gave the endorsement behind it. And I think that's the key. I think it, call it what you want, whether it's called a tribute to Pantera, Pantera, whatever you want to call it. At the end of the day, they're going to play the festivals here in the States and over in Europe, and people are just going to go crazy for the music. And I think that's the most important thing. I, I can't imagine this is a long-term thing, but I think it's something that, it, yes, it's going to draw people in. It's going to sell tickets and probably something that's long overdue. Ian, what do you think? I honestly, as long as they are labeling it as a tribute to Pantera or Pantera, a tribute to Dimebag and Vinnie Paul. If you're going into, if they go into it with any thought that this could be something that we could decide, you know what, two years from now, oh, yeah. we're going to pull it out again and we're going to do it. That's wrong. I don't think you should do that. You know, if you're doing um, a couple of select shows or a, a mini tour, I don't want to see this thing dragged out for two and a half years. I want to see it come and go, but you're right. I mean, you know, they were great friends with, with Charlie Monte. And of course, I mean, diamond Zach, you know, they were like freaking, you know, lost brothers. So, you know, I, I have that, I give them that support, but don't, don't try to do it as a, oh, we're bringing back the band. Nope. That's. Hey, Vern, maybe you know this, but where did the idea generate from? Was it promoters going out there saying, you know what? Festivals around the world, we're losing the big bands. Aerosmith's not touring. Kiss is retiring. Ozzy's on the shelf. You know, we got to have something ready for next year. Or was it, I hate to say it, Rex and, Phil going, you know what, we need a career boost and let's go to the Rita camp and the promoters and throw this idea out there and see how it sticks. I, any, I, any news where it generated from? But that's a great question. And um, my take on it is I think it's a little bit of all of it because in the, in the past several years, there's been sightings of both Phil and Rex going on stage with Black Label Society and doing some, doing some music as like a, you know, what maybe when they're in their town. So there has been some performances as recently as Sebastian Bach has done stuff. So there's always been that metal community where they have shared stages with other bands to show support and they miss their friend and they miss the music. So I think it probably just organically developed and more importantly the timing may be there it is a cash grab but in the right way that this is the music business if they're gonna do it why not say pantera now i've done a 180 on my take on this i was no way cash grab and you know go out as a night of pantera but you know where when where is it that half the band is there Granted, Diamond, uh, Vinny aren't, 
But if you're going to do it, it's the best business aspect is to say Pantera. Um, so to piggyback off what you said, Vern, you can look back even as far as the, the final Slayer shows with Phil getting up and performing with Slayer at certain festival dates. And that kind of got the, the mills going with people. Oh, maybe Carrie King will, you know, join Phil for, you know, a reunion for Pantera. I mean, you know, so this is, this has been something that's been juggled and jostled in the air for a long time. It just finally stuck. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it did, you know, like I said, though, as long as they give it a shelf life, don't extend it. So, uh, Ian, uh, what do you want to talk about? Well, what's at the top of your, uh, topic wish list well i know that you and i and and walda talked about this before and it'll kind of help us segue into it this is kind of going to be a two-parter but um nita strauss recently you know splitting away from the alice camp and joining up with demi lovato and um you know as I, I, I got to tell you that I was a little bit distraught over the fact because she did such a great job playing with Alice and the music that she helped create for the last album or so with Alice, I mean, was great right on, right on point. Um, but, you know, I guess, you know, musicians got to do musicians got to do. I mean, you saw it back in the day with, you know, people, you know, every pop star after Michael Jackson grabbed Eddie Van Halen to come do beat it. You know, you had Nuno Betancourt with, uh, you know, Janet Jackson, and you had uh, Rihanna had uh, the Salas uh, with the guitar player there. He was playing with her for years. They keep trying to pull these rockers in. I don't know if it's to give them some level of integrity. Um, I just hope it doesn't backfire on her other than the fact that she's going to make a shitload of money. So that's just my take on that. But But will she? But will she? I mean, you look at Demi Lovato. Okay, she's a pop artist. Another one that wants to turn in her image around. She's had addiction problems, had to have a rebirth and get her health back in order. And now she's going to rebrand herself and, as far as I heard, have a funeral of herself for her pop career. Sounds like it's all a, a publicity thing, a record label thing. You know what? She was on the, you know, one of the, the nighttime shows. You didn't even see Nita. She was just buried in the background. And we know that artists like Demi Lovato are not going to showcase their band the way Alice did, you know? So I think maybe there's something more there to it. I think uh, maybe Nita just looked at it and says, you know what, it's run its course with Alice. I love it. I'm making good money, but I don't want to be pigeonholing to this one, let's say, genre of aging music. And I got to spread my wings and think about my long-term career as a, you know, 30-year-old girl. Um, yeah, I don't know. But I she's, mean, she's even paused her own personal band where she would do that simultaneously with Alice. That's the thing. So I don't know if they wrote her a check up front here, here's your money and then you'll get percentage, but she's not musical director or anything on this thing. She's she didn't pause her music. She, she canceled the tour dates. She has her first single coming out in like three weeks from the solo album. Uh, well, yeah, but I, you but know, I just, you know, she, I put two together. Yeah, no, she just, she canceled the touring dates. There was a tour coming up. And my take on all this is uh, it's probably a business, a business decision. You know, she may probably maxed out on doing Coop as much as she can. She could always go back. Um, It's, 
whatever, whatever, maybe. And I, I found that ironic too. Here's, you know, connecting to, uh, to you, the listeners, I hope you've taken the time to listen to our interview with Fortyampi. And I will tell you this, Grono and I, just the other day, we saw a new interview through another source. Um, and this interviewer asked Orianti directly whether or not she was considered to go back to Alice's band. And the answer was yes. They did reach out to her to go over and do the summer festivals in Europe. But at the last minute, Nina made herself available and she went on her way. And then I guess Orianti knew this release was coming out, the live album, and that was the end of it. So she seemed open to it. The funny part of it, it was Verno and I second-guessed ourselves after we interviewed Orianti saying, should we have asked that question? And we agreed, nope, it probably wasn't appropriate. And I still believe that was the right decision. But here it is later on. Somebody had to ask the question. So, again, where it leads to Alice, whether Kane stays or he goes in and maybe Nita comes out. I mean, if you guys have seen Alice through the years, you know, if you look at the last 20 years, he, he must have had 50 different members coming in. It's all about the band and the brand and him as the character. Nothing against Nita. I love her. But they can put any piece in there, you know? Right. So. Yeah, I just I, you know, I mean, I, it was I was surprised though. I mean, Kane Roberts coming back, it, he looks fucking great. I couldn't believe it. They showed pictures of him with Alice, and I mean, yeah, he looks older, but I mean, he's still jacked. Kane Roberts, you know, I mean, I I haven't heard anything musically from him since. So hopefully he's. Uh, Still kept all of his chops, you know. I mean, he he had the uh, he had the ability to to burn up the fretboard a little bit back then. So we'll see, we'll see. I think, and I think he, that was a good move for Alice, right? Because you know what, he realized what Nita brought to the image, and and Orianthony Orianthony told Verno and I in the interview, and she didn't say it directly, but I got the sense that she knew she wasn't an ideal fit for the Alice Cooper band because she describes herself as a rock blues guitar player if you listen to the interview she talks about stevie ray vaughn and you know various other like muddy waters and those guys were her influences and she gives the props to nita to say she's a traditional shredder that fit with alice i think alice did the right thing and said you know what if i got to replace her she either goes out of the band we stay with the two guitarists but i can't bring in another version of a you know another mid-name metal guy it's got to be somebody that's going to connect with the fans and give us a little bit of splash in the media. And I think he did that with Kane Roberts. So where it goes from there, who knows? But going back to, uh, let's go back to the, the, the comment about, uh, about uh, you know, Nita leaving and Demi Lovato. How about Demi apparently wearing a Voivod shirt on her press uh, release after the, uh, the nighttime TV show? And then I read something else that she claims she's, a fan of Dimu Borgir, the, uh, the the Nordic death band. I call bluff on that. I think it's bullshit. What do you guys think? I think that's a load of crap. She doesn't know either one. She got it at a thrift store. I, I know nothing about this girl, but it goes back to, you know, Kim Kardashian wearing a Slayer shirt, even though there was a fucking uh, big explanation that her boyfriend or hubby or whoever he is now, Travis Barker is a huge metal head. And it was actually his shirt should not be wearing it. It makes her look like an ass. Yeah. It's a Hollywood attention grab thing. They all do it. Um, if, if you ever watched videos with, uh, Jillian Michaels, the exercise lady that used to be on the biggest loser, she's constantly wearing 
all these different freaking heavy metal, but Metallica, Guns N' Roses, Van Halen, The Clash, and stuff like that. And I'm looking at myself, and I'm looking at her going, there might be a sliver of a possibility, but I think that she listens to a lot of meditative new wave music, you know, new age, whatever you want to call well, it. Well, I wouldn't so go she, there, bro. They, huh? they, no, not at all, because... One, she's older, and that's her generation. And, you know, these bands have millions of fans. I have people in my... When I tell tell people uh, what I do in my professional world, what I do with the metal mayhem, they're like, oh, I would never have made you out to be like a metal guy. So for you to sit there and say, hey, why is this exercise girl? She has no idea. That's not true. You know, she 25, 25 years ago... She may have been like okay. an eighteen-year-old girl making her way up, and so you know the black album right. and appetite are huge. You're so, right, but you can't not you can't argue with me the fact that a Hollywood attention grab they all do it. What about Miley Cyrus? Yeah, she's she's a weirdo. I don't even know what to call her. Well, well, she's not that weird, but she's into Saxon. She's into Maiden. I know. I got another topic I want to talk about, and it's uh, fresh. What is going on with people jumping on stage at concerts, artists jumping into crowds, artists yelling at people with flare guns? This is all in reference to the guy up in Toronto jumping on stage and uh, Tom Morello getting tackled by a security guy and Ian Ashbury of the cult jumping in the crowd to break up a fight. Well, What's your take on all this? I'm sure you caught up on the uh, info. Yeah, I, I mean, I saw some of that even in the Maiden camp. I think it was over in Poland or somewhere. Greece, it? Greece. Yeah, Greece, right? It's something, and, and Dickinson had to stop him and curse him out. I mean, hey, listen, this is fans going too far. You know, they get so excited, but they, they got to make a spectacle of themselves. You know, I mean, okay, let's even go to the, the Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, not my cup of tea, but I respect them. They're a big band. And they are hard rock. And, you know, they're playing five nights at Madison Square Garden. That's nothing, no short of a miracle. That's like something that does not happen in 2022. But Zach Della Roca running around, he twists his ankle in the first show. He's got to sing on the side of the stage. Now something else happens. I mean, I mean, what's going on here? Is these fans just that out of control? You know, they're whacked out of their minds and they can't control themselves because they feel like, what the hell, I'm here? I think it's just absurd, personally. I mean, you're going to disrupt the show. Somebody's going to get hurt. At some point, they're going to cancel the tour or cancel the show because security is going to say, fuck it. If this is what's going to go on here, the night four and five is gone. And and that's a scary thing because we're talking about Pantera and, you know, Dimebag got killed by a, a rabid fan on stage. And this shit will happen. And, you know, what are they going to have to play in a, you know, in a cage? And going back to that Maiden incident in Greece, someone actually defended the fan by saying that's a practice that's done at um, soccer events. How is that even allowed in if they're so strict with security these days, worrying about all the mass shootings around the globe, metal detectors, pat-downs, camping backpacks in, nothing. How does a goddamn flare get in? You know how it gets in? By people not doing their jobs. Here's the funny take on it. All of these rebellious or previously rebellious rockers now are all dad age like us. So they're all feeling the responsibility that somebody needs to step in and intervene. You people are out of control. You're being stupid, you know, and that's the, that's the take I got from it because it's like, you know, why would you do that? You're right. And 
the point I'm trying to make that we're discussing here is where is this stuff? Where is things going? It's it's dangerous. They had, and what happened with Ian Asbury of the cult? And he was breaking up. He, yeah, he was breaking up a fight. There were two guys in front of the stage that were in a fist fight. He jumped off the stage to stop them from fighting. Stop the one guy from pummeling the other guy. And he's, you know, I don't. I didn't hear anything about him getting hit himself. No, I but just, I mean, you could you could see the look of frustration he had. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Are you here to enjoy yourself and watch the show? You know, I mean, he. But again somebody having to take the responsible action during something that's supposed to be fun to get people back on track to say, listen, time out. Let's not do that here. You know, we're, we're all here to have fun. We're all here to enjoy the music and each other. It's just, I don't, it's man. The world's fucking crazy. Well, it's going Dave, to shit. Yeah. But Dave Mustaine, he's been doing it for years, yelling at security oh. guards, like, you know, stopping the show. He yeah. won't go on and, you know, it's just lately, it just in the last four or five uh, week, it just keeps happening. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, have a question for you, Verno, on yeah. this topic. What would Beavis and Budhead say about this? <laughs> I don't know. I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, I got a question for you. What would Beavis and Budhead say about Bruce Springsteen selling tickets for $4,000? Don't get me started on that. Yep. I don't have any love for Bruce Springsteen, New Jersey guy or not. No love for him. He brings too much of his good Dudley Guru, good you know, whatever. He's a goody two shoes. He's a scammer. Screw him. He's too freaking liberal. He doesn't care about his fans. And he oh, man, he's a, a blue collar hero. Blue, blue, blue collar hero, nothing. Who does that to their fans? Fluctuating prices. He had to be aware of this going on. I mean, this is national news. It's just, to me, very, very disappointing for an artist that doesn't tour all that much and hasn't been out there since the pandemic that he would be allowed to do something like this. Yet there'll be fans that are on a higher income level that will go out and spend $1,000 to sit in the 20th row of the upper tier all the way across the stage at Giant Stadium in New Jersey. So good for them if they can be that dumb. But back to Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead are premiering next week on Paramount Channel with a new series. They're going to be critiquing videos and TikTok videos and more of the same that we loved back 20 years ago. So that was my self-promotion plug for Beavis and Butthead. Mm, I never really got into Beavis and Butthead. Give it a shot. They, they, were, definitely, they were definitely metalheads for sure. Yeah. All right. What else hey. you guys want to talk about? Anything on the tip of your tongue that you want to discuss or... Uh... How about, uh, speaking about uh, concerts and, uh, let's say, the, uh, the violence or the acting out, um, we could go the other direction. Um, I caught Roger Waters last week up in Albany, and uh, Roger is, Pink Floyd's a favorite of mine, and, and he always does an amazing job visually, and this was nothing short of uh, something out of this world. I got to say, anybody should go check out the show. However, in the beginning of the show, he puts up on the screens two things something around leave your cell phones on your lap don't video watch this show through your human eyes not your phone and if you don't like my political stance he says go sit at the bar and have a drink but i think it goes back to the point around people taking it too far and people just saying go to the show you're paying this money and enjoy it for what it is but uh you know roger waters here's something that i think we were all talking about off the record 
earlier, Roger Waters is a global icon, an artist. And I will tell you, in an arena that held maybe 15,000 people, I would say only 65 to 70% of the seats were sold. And I'm hearing this commonplace across that this tour is not selling well. You know, Vern or Ian, what do you think this is? What is, it, what is it with Roger Waters? What is it with the stadium tour, the Motley Crue Poison tour, that, that that's not maybe selling as the expectations? What's going on here? You know what I think a lot of it is, unfortunately, and I'm not going to get on any kind of political soul box. I think goddamn recession or whatever the hell we're, we're, we're in right now, everything is too fucking expensive. Nobody can afford the goddamn gas. Nobody, you know, has the extra money. I don't think, you know, they're picking and choosing. Um, what was it, uh, Vern, not too long ago there, your, uh, uh, one of your buddies from the, uh, the radio show was talking about, uh, he was going to take a little holiday vacation because he was going to back up, uh, Metallica and the Motley Crue, uh, shows in Buffalo on that same weekend. So he's like, yeah, because that's going to be my, you know, that that's oh, going to be my vacation. Yes. You know, and it's like, you know, I mean, that's what people got to do now. You know, I mean, it's just, it's out of control. And to, to sidebar on that, uh, a coworker recently went, he's older gentleman, took his son, his son's wife and their two kids and, and his wife. And they went to Disney down in Florida for a week. And he said it was $110 per person every day for five days just to get into the park. That's not including food, you know, souvenirs, any of the other shit. That's just to get in the park. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Well, on the parallel to that, to the concert industry is they're not going to lower the ticket prices like Bruce Springsteen in that example. You know what? You might not be selling your, you know, tours because of the recession, the gas prices, and you're trying to compensate by raising prices. Right. I mean, you know, consequently, I, I, my wife and I are going to see Hailstorm and the Pretty Reckless Thursday night here in Jersey at the Outdoor Shed. Okay, now granted, that's not a, a massive tour, but that should be selling well. And I was able to get, just get this, two tickets in the back section, section 402, which is the far rear section, two tickets for $15, including the service charge. So wow. that'll tell you it's not about the prices. This was on the secondary market. Shows are not selling well. It might be there's too much out there now and the recession and everything else, but it just tells you it's, uh, it fluctuates. But, Vernal, what are some of the stats you heard about the, uh, the, the hair stadium tour, the Motley Def Leppard Poison tour? What was the other numbers you heard? Yeah, they're, they just came out the other day um, grandstanding the fact that they're averaging 37,000 tickets a show sold. And you have to stop and think. I was thinking this to myself. What's the capacity of these venues? What if they were selling 90% of tickets? Would they put a press release out saying, hey, you know, this, this show is, uh, this tour is selling at 90% capacity? I agree with you, Verno. I think it's a, it's a shameless plug to sell more tickets. I think if they're promoting 37,000 on average, I think that's their way of building up the hype of the tour to say, hey, guys, come out and see this show. You know, in their minds, they're probably saying, hey, we're about halfway through the country. Maybe the numbers are not as good as we hoped they were. However, we're going to put a positive twist on it. We're going to do the old soft shoe. And we're going to say, look at the numbers, 37,000. Tickets are hot. You better put get your tickets now or you might not get in the door. 
you know, I think it's a it's a shame shameless plug to sell more tickets because they're not selling what they expected. I don't know that, that that stadium. I was never a big. I wasn't ever too impressed with the Hair Nation Stadium tour, anyways. And I've been watching that. And we, Ian and I talked about this off, off air, Walt. And, you know, Poison's the star of that show because they're doing what they do. They come out. They look good. You know, they sound good. Granted, they've been playing the same set for 30 years, so they better have it down by now. Um, and Def Leppard, I give it up to Def Leppard. They have taken the time during the pandemic to create new material, release it, and go on the stadium tour to not only promote the album, but to play it live with three or four tracks. They opened the set with the one song, which actually after hearing it a few times, isn't a bad opening song. Uh, they're mixing up the set list and they're, they're taking advantage of the situation. But then you look at a band like Motley Crue, okay? Vince looks terrible. They come out with this debacle Tommy Lee with broken ribs and he's playing the first four songs and um, it's just, you know, and they have these girl dancers on stage. Now, granted, they've always had those, the nasty habits. But if you have a chance to watch some of these videos, they are at the forefront of this show. They're up at the stage. They're going through costume changes. They're, 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 these dance routines are uh, seductive, elaborate, and it's, it's, I think it's to uh, take away attention of the band. And then to top it off, there was just recently video footage leakage of Tommy Lee playing to backing tracks where right before they were starting uh, Looks That Kill, there was a roadie, a drum roadie, of, you know, uh, fixing a cymbal or something, and it's very quick, but you hear the song, the drums start at the song, and Tommy Lee isn't even, like, stationed in his drum chair ready to play, and he's, like, a half beat behind. So, you know, screw Motley Crue. Props to Def Leppard for acting like a real rock and roll band, and cheers the poison for just telling everyone nothing like a good time or whatever the songs they play. Listen, Brett Michaels had not stopped playing and touring since poison. The last time they all called yeah. it quits. He has continued to go. He has continued to, to, to perform at a high level, sing well, he looks good. The band looks good. Christ, CC DeVille got freaking sober. And, uh, you know, he's running around like he used to, you know, freaking 30 years ago. So, you know, I, I tip my hat to them for doing that. But to piggyback what Walt said before, I totally agree with what you said, Walt. And I bet you that most of that stuff is a cash grab because they either A, didn't do good on their pre-sale tickets or the pre-sale is what's floating them right now. They're not getting a lot of new bites on people going out wanting to spend the money on the stadium tour, especially exactly. after you see all of this shit going on. It's like, well, why would I want to go see poison Def leopard? And then some other people, you know, cause I haven't heard anything about Joan jet, you know, I have nothing at all, you know, I mean, and I'm not knocking her because I mean, she does what she does, but you haven't heard anything about her. Everything you've heard has been poison has been great. And like Vern said, I mean, the, the, the bullshit with Molly crew, Def Leppard, you know, I mean, they're doing their thing. That's what, that's what they've done. That's how they've, 
continued to evolve. They've, they've evolved themselves now to this point where this is their sound and this is what they're doing. So, Hey, tip it ahead to you boys. Keep going. Anyone seeing any shows? I'm like I said, I'm going to see Metallica. I got tickets for Ted Nugent. I got tickets for ACE up in Buffalo, both those shows in Buffalo. Um, I made the joke. I got tickets to go see Ellis Cooper. And I'm trading in Nita's tits and ass for Kane Roberts' tits and ass. <laughs> his pecs, his pecs, and his and his pectoral muscles. Uh, I don't know if his pecs are that big anymore. You know that he looks, you know, a little more, you know, compact. So I, mean, I think the steroids wore off. I mean, I've been single for about four or five months now, and I was looking forward <laughs> to that uh, Nita show. Uh, and then right. what else? Uh, well, what do you got? You said you're going to see Hellstorm. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen a lot of shows already this summer. I mean, over the last month, I've seen um, Mark Farner play solo acoustic, which was cool. He played a little theater in front of about 200 people. Saw John Anderson play in a bigger theater, um, playing with uh, Paul Green School of Rock, which was interesting because, you know, uh, he had a bunch of kids, teenage kids and college-age kids as his backing band. So I was a little skeptical. And to a degree, I'm not so sure I was, was my preference, but I give these kids credit. They played the Close to the Edge album complete, a lot of other Yes songs. And for a guy, John Anderson, who's 77, he's probably seen it all, done it all, played with everybody. It's probably something that he feels like, at least at this golden age of his life, he can give back. But, yeah, the Roger Waters. And then I think, you know, August has some stuff. We got the Anthrax Black Label coming through town late August. They're planning up at the Coney Island Amphitheater in New York. That's sort of a hometown show for Anthrax. So I think that'll be a real special one. And, uh, hey, there's always stuff coming through. Always stuff coming through. All right, so, well. Yeah, that's, um, that's a hometown show for both bands. Yeah. Zachy's a Jersey boy. He is. Jackie and J.D. Serbia, so both Jersey guys. So yeah. I'll be at that one for yeah. sure. All right, well, what's coming nice. up here at Metal Mayhem is uh, I'll have these two guys. We're getting together in the next week or so, and we're going to be doing the year 1988 in history of metal. So, uh, Walt, um, get a little preview of that. 1988, that was the Monsters of Rocky. You're talking about uh, the big stadium tour. That was probably the original stadium tour in America. That had Metallica, Doc, and Van Halen, Scorpions, Kingdom Come. I mean, a lot of things out of 88. It was like 88 was turning the corner. Slightly after that, it started really going downhill a little bit, and things would change, not necessarily in a bad way, but they'll change. And I think this is the top of the mountain. So uh, a lot of good stuff to talk about. It's been a while since we've done one of these episodes. So it'll be fresh for us as well. It's going to be a good one. All right. Well, I look forward to it. Um, Metal Walt, Ian, thanks for uh, taking some time tonight. We will see you guys real soon. Okay. Well, you know what? Uh, We're going to wrap this things up. Do us a favor. Again, go to that website, metalmayhemroc.com. Fill out the uh, email list. Get on there. Our way of staying in touch with you. I do a live radio show on Monday nights on MetalDevastationRadio.com. Play the best of metal from the last 50 years. We do our best here to stay in touch with you and uh, give you some quality content to get you through your life. So for Metal Walt and the inner work, I'm the Vernomatic. As I always say, keep it heavy. See ya. 
Metal for life. Thank you for listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. Check out our website at MetalMayhemROC.com for information on podcasts, archives, links to all our live radio shows, and all sorts of info. Please like, follow, and share with everyone, even your non-metal friends. And always remember to keep it heavy. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.